Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast somehow more hungover than half of Japan. <laughs> my name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Samorka. <laughs> I did have a couple of beers last night. I'm not going <laughs> to lie about that. <laughs> yep. Uh, and today, we are going to be talking about the almost last week of spring training. We're going to recap the World Baseball Classic. And we're going to continue our coverage of the NL Central today, focusing on the Brewers. If you have an idea for the opening bet, tweet us at Talk About Birds. Ben, before we dive in, I have a bit of a follow up from last week's conversation that I just want to address really quickly. Some more soccer talk. Well, kind of. Um, so it turns out that almost every other sport, it is the rule where if the the ball or whatever goes into the stands, you have to give it back. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I just want to reiterate that I think that's bullshit, and yeah. I think it it proves that baseball is the premier sport. So, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, you're, you're, you're making lifelong fans with souvenirs mm-hmm. in real time. Come on now. I should get to keep the basketball. If it goes into the, into the court. Yeah. Not into the court, into the stands. It's all, <laughs> it's not, if it's I can no. walk down onto the court and steal <laughs> it from LeBron, it is my basketball. That's legal. I can think of nothing funnier than watching you try to steal a ball from (laughs) LeBron James. (laughs) I feel like he would like turn and not really notice me. And I would, he would hit me with his shoulder and I would like skid across the court probably, or like punch through the floor and end up in the basement. Like a, like a mortal, like a mortal combat, uh, you know, where they would like, you could uppercut someone and then they fall down into the, yeah, yeah. I think LeBron would like me. You think so? <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't. <laughs> Midwest. We got Midwest Connect. Uh, that's about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think most people like you. So I don't know that I would set my sights at uh, someone like LeBron. You know, <laughs> he's got a lot of options, I think, on who to hang out with. <laughs> like Obama. <laughs> yeah. like whoever he wants. To. Whoever yeah. he wants. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, uh, another check mark in the in the uh, column of why baseball is the the best sport. Um, you get to keep the stuff. Yeah, that's baseball is unique for a lot of reasons. That's the most important reason. It is. It is. Um, I can think of nothing else. Uh, so how you doing this week, Ben? How you feeling? You good? Fine and dandy. Yeah. WBC yeah. in my veins. Went out, yeah. got some some wings and some beers, and watched Japan. Uh, not dom. I mean, they, it was a great game last night. Um, yeah, but really, really enjoyed the WBC. I think it was a a massive success, and I was locked in. I was locked in so much to the point where I like am having a hard time caring about a spring training game, which is never the case for me. I'm always locked into the spring training games, but it was so much fun. There was so much Cardinals representation. Great games. Trey Turner doing magical things. Um, it's just it was a blast. I could I could go on for hours. Yeah, I I 
I realized that I was not emotionally prepared to care about a baseball game, it, 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 let alone like multiple in a row. Yeah, uh, this much this early in the season. March is you know normally it's spring training. You can right away you can whatever happens you can say it doesn't matter and it's you not ease into it. Yeah, yeah. It's and then if it's great you can still say it's not predictive. You know, and right. whereas this like. I mean, because of that round one or pool play loss for the United States, it made it where basically every game that they played uh, was critical, you know. And so, of course, once it got into bracket, it was critical. But even the last two games of pool play uh, were yeah. were critical. They basically needed to win out to to guarantee a spot. There were there were scenarios where if they went two and two, they could have still got in. But right. You know, winning yeah, out. Was, then you're was playing with the ERA algorithm yeah. and and hoping that other teams get blown out more. And yeah, it's kind yeah. of complicated so, and, and silly. Yeah, just wanted the win. And uh, yeah. yeah, it was it was fantastic. But Ben, I gotta ask the listeners are gonna gonna need to know uh, what kind of wings did you get? Uh, well, we went to a restaurant that they they specialize in wings. I got some confit uh, buffalo cones fee. Okay. Yes. Uh, so what does that mean? That means that they are cooked in their own fat. The fat of the animal <laughs> is used to cook the bird. Um, you know, confit is usually how duck is prepared, but you can That's do right. many fowl items like that. I guess really if it ha- the animal has fat, you can confit it. Um, and it was wow. delicious. It was nutritious. Um, I felt swollen this morning and bloated with all the salt I consumed and beer. Um but that's America, baby. We thought, you know, <laughs> we're watching the USA versus Japan. We got to go have an American evening um, yeah. and have, you know, light beer and hot wings. Sounds wonderful. It was. Um, well, I'm glad you had a great time. And now yeah. I'm, I'm probably going to get some wings tonight. Uh, you should. You're making me hungry. So question for you about baseball at large in the WBC and its impact, okay. so on and so forth. I think yeah. that anyone who watches baseball regularly like us or, or probably like anyone who's listening to us blabber, uh, you, you know, true talent is a real thing. Good teams uh, can prove their true talent over the length of the season. That's kind of the whole point of the baseball season being so long, right? It's right. The cream almost always rises to the top. And if it doesn't, you you've had to be extremely consistent like the the Giants a couple of years ago. You've had to right. be doing a magic trick for six months in a row. And I think that's all great. And I think baseball overall benefits from a, not a lack of urgency, but a um, having the product be out there in your face every single day for, for six months. I think that that is a, a good thing. But what I will say from watching the WBC and the level of games, the quality of competition, the excitement that we are getting in these single game uh, like one, uh, either you win or go home format was, it was extremely exciting. I, I don't know if I've, it, it developed moments that I was not expecting it to develop the way that games were seesawing back and forth. Obviously the final was a bit more of a pitching duel, but it kind of made me question like, would baseball benefit from subtracting some games would it increase the excitement and is that even worth a conversation? Like, I think we're all 
like I'm not saying we need to change baseball, but it, it did make me think like some of these games were some of the highest rated games in Puerto Rico, Japan, Mexico, like sweeping the nation. And I know a lot of that is patriotism of those individuals, but the sudden death nature kind of added all of this. Tonight's the night. Everyone's got to watch it tonight. All the urgency is here right now. The game seven every night. It does. I don't know if I'm explaining this right, but does baseball need more of that? Do we need to manufacture those feelings more? It's an interesting question because I I definitely felt that too. Um, You know, I, I have been traditionally, I have been more in the camp of the World Series should be nine games and the NLCS should be seven. The division series should be seven. You know, I'm more of a maximalist when it comes to this sort of thing because of the swing and the the variance of an individual baseball game Uh, and the desire that the outcome of the MLB season be awarding the best team, the team that can prove it, the team that can show up when it's necessary um, should be the champion rather than this sort of, you know, I've heard it described as a random championship generator. Uh, You just try to get in the playoffs, especially those one game playoffs that used to happen or the three game playoffs that still happen where it's like, you know, any team can win. They're all professional baseball players. So, uh, I have been frustrated in, at the the lack of depth of the playoffs in baseball. And then we have something like this where it's like, oh, my God, this was so much fun. And it was one game yeah. and I loved it. And I think there's a couple factors at play here like that that make me think no to your big picture question. Do we need to like rethink the MLB season? No, I don't think so, because I think part of what made this fun is the contrast between what we normally get and this. If the MLB playoffs were always a short series and always this like one and done, then this wouldn't have felt so unique. It wouldn't have felt so uh, win or go home, you know, die, live and die on every swing. There's also, I think we as like United States fans had a particular enjoyment of it because we had this insane elite team. Uh, the lineup was maybe the best lineup in baseball history. And so you just have this like quality that you're not used to. And you know, like, okay, at least this game, like, it's going to be a good game because it's the best players end to end. Whereas like a normal baseball team, doesn't have that like top to bottom quality. Right. Sure. And so you, yeah. you need a longer game. So I would say that, no, I don't think we need to rethink the MLB schedule and the playoff system, but I would be looking for ways to interject more stuff like this, the, to supplement the MLB season. Yeah. Um, and there's also the, the national pride thing that you get in here that, exists on the regional level in the MLB where like, you know, St. Louis is going ape shit when uh, the Cardinals are in the playoffs uh, and probably 40% of St. Louis is watching Cardinal playoffs. Sure. Sure. But, yeah. But, but it feels a lot more dramatic when you say 40% of Japan was watching this game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so the, there's that national pride element of it that really can only be recreated in something like this. So I don't know. I think there's like there's a lot to be learned from this. 
Um, I think it was absolutely the most successful uh, it was a smash hit. Yeah, it, it was it, it was better than I could have wanted it to yeah. be. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that uh not to bring soccer up again, but one thing that they Jeez. do in the Premier League in Europe that I only recently learned about is that they have a tournament in the middle of the season. Yeah. Um, that is a bracket style tournament. Because their their normal season is there's not even playoffs. It's just like best record at the end of the season is the champion, right? And so they do like a little micro tournament right in the middle of the season. They take a break, they do this little tournament, and then the the regular season continues. And so I've seen some ideas of like, what if the all-star break was made a little bit more, uh, like a little bit longer, and you inserted in some sort of exhibition tournament like this? That would be interesting. Things like that, I think, are are cool yeah. ideas. I don't know how you execute on that, but something to recreate this like, it's one and done. It's over. And when it's all said and done, you still get to go and watch your favorite players on your favorite team compete for the like the the championship as is normal. But there's a pride to winning this little exhibition tournament, you know, yeah. something like that. But I, I I wouldn't want to try to take away from the sort of the the length and the um, the grind that yeah. is regular baseball i think they're I, already doing that with all of the rule changes for for expedience and if we start messing with scheduling too i i'd, I'd yeah. worry that you know well it would yeah the reality is for the baseball season to shorten um it would be a like i, I that would be the most shocking change to me because of the guaranteed 80 one games that the owners get yeah. with people showing up and buying beer. So I, I doubt that that will ever change, but I think it's something to consider. I think it's so much fun. Um, of course, premier league doesn't have any type of playoff or championship run because that would be far too much fun for everyone to enjoy. <laughs> um, so why would we do that? Yeah, Why would you do that? Um, but the tournament play does sound interesting. Baseball is so hard because so many players, if that was in the middle of the season, so many players would opt out. Right. I think you would get even less pitchers participating in it, especially if they then have to go throw a second half. Um, you probably get a decent number of position players, but the, the problem that faces baseball is how bad pitching is for your body. Um, it really seems like you only get so many pitches until you get hurt, and there's a ticking time clock on every single major league pitcher, um, which will always just kind of, you know, put put down yeah. that possibility but i don't know i still think it's interesting and i think it's something that should be talked about and tournament play is really fun especially when like when we went from the quarterfinals to semifinals to finals in like the span of five days and it's just right. ramping up and then you have this final that was a great game edge of my seat um kyle schwarber hitting bombs just <laughs> it's just great that so was, much fun i i, I I could talk about it for the rest of the episode, but I, I, I think this by far my favorite WBC MLB star yeah. showing up was great um, and, and just had a blast. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, it's wild. We did our in between our last episode and this uh, was basically the entirety of entirety of the WBC. We, yep. you know, the, the, the United States had played two games uh, yep. before last Wednesday when we recorded. Now we're recording and it's totally done. Um, I, I think maybe a solution would be like, this thing is so popular. Why not every two years instead of every three? Like, let's ramp it up, you know, and get 
maybe maybe you don't get the same degree of stars every single time you're rotating around because you know maybe they don't want to do it every time but uh like why not you know um let's let's ramp it up a little bit you you and i were talking off pod and like next time it comes around in 2026 which is when it's currently scheduled we're gonna find a way to go like i want to be there that looked like the most fun place to be in the world um yeah so yeah yeah even if it's just pool play because i have to imagine those those semifinals and final games are incredibly expensive too because you're competing with the world for seats uh but yeah uh, i'd love to go and yeah, talking about birds goes to Miami. We can get some nice <laughs> Cuban food. Oh, yeah. Cheer for our boys. Mike Trout mm-hmm. and the gang. That'll be a blast. Yeah. Um, yeah, so huge success and a ton of fun. I hope that our listeners enjoyed it. And, you know, we tried to cover it as much as we could, but also it's so fast. You know, we're, we're yeah. going to talk a little bit later in the episode about some of the Cardinals individual uh, performances in it. Um, but I think for now, let's jump into, uh, meanwhile, when the WBC was going on, uh, we still had spring training games, which is a whole other dynamic for the Cardinals above most teams, because the Cardinals, we, you know, find themselves in a really, really interesting spot, which is, uh, a lot of players involved in the WBC. I think it was 13 total, although only a 17, 17. Though only a handful went the full distance, but still 17 guys out of camp. And also we find ourselves with one of the best farm systems we've had in a very long time. So we're getting to see these guys even more than we would have normally. So there's a lot of interesting storylines coming out. And with only a week left of spring, not even uh, only a handful of days left in spring training. We're starting to get a picture of what this roster will look like and what some of these uh, position battles will look like. Uh, so uh, what do you want to talk about first from the last week of spring training? Yeah, I think who, you know, on oh, I, I'll limit this to the pitching side of uh, of the Cardinals uh, org right now. But I think far and away, Jake Woodford has had the best spring, um, a spring that I think that, pro, you know, a few weeks ago, you uh, you would have sounded sane if you said, oh, Jake Woodford, he's probably going to make the team. He, he could not. He could be the swingman, blah, blah, blah. He has done nothing but come in and be absolutely dominant. He's pitched 17 and two thirds innings, 18 strikeouts, which is huge because we know last year that was kind of his problem is his weak spot is putting guys away with strikeout stuff. And um, obviously strikeouts are valued super high in the game. The Cardinals value them, even though they aren't great at collecting them on the pitching side. Um, but you know, the less contact you can, uh, or the less contact you can, uh, uh, get from your pitching staff, the better, um, 2.04 ERA. And it's basically, we, this hasn't been announced yet, but he is essentially guaranteed a bullpen spot at this point. And I have a feeling that if any starter Jack deals with injury, if Wayno deals with ineffectiveness, whatever it might be, that Jake Woodford is going to be the first person to get that spot start. Um, and it'll, it'll be a a situation where he's in the bullpen. He's probably pitching a few innings uh, at a time there and then fully ready to step in for a start. And honestly, I could even see if, if they just want to give the rotation an extra day early in the season when everyone's still getting ramped up, just run a six man rotation for a week or two, have Jake Woodford start. Um, and what we've seen is that new slider 
the tighter slider with a little more downward movement to it has just been fantastic. So uh, he he's the the MVP, I think, of the Cardinals spring and on the pitching side, of course. I'm not trying to uh, wash away <laughs> Walker or Win or, or any of those guys. Sure. sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting because Woodford's been pretty good for a while now, right? Yeah. And it felt like he'd never really gotten his shot, not really gotten his... Um, you know, the respect he deserves. Yeah. You know, and uh, with the optioning of Dakota Hudson to the minors, it essentially seals the deal for him. Uh, and I think it it makes sense. And yeah, I've been wondering if the Cardinals will do a, a six-man rotation be, besides all the just this this weird uncertainty on on who is where. There's also the injury concern across the entire rotation. There's like other than Montgomery and I guess Michaelis, but he's just at that age that you just kind of put a little check mark of injury concern next to him anyway. Um, like it makes sense to me to to experiment with a six man rotation, see where everyone's at, see who's working, what's not working, and where these final positions are going to land. Uh, so yeah, I, it's it's been fun to see him really ascend. Yeah, I I also like does this mean that he is in competition for a starting spot next year? We keep complaining about who's going to be there next year and this his ability to make an adjustment and then show it to us in spring. It is still spring, of course. That should be right. said 18 times in a row. Um but he made a real adjustment and is getting real results and that's really exciting. Man, Dakota Hudson Um, you know, I think we take for granted when guys go down for surgery and what, you know, we, we almost like, oh yeah, he'll, he'll be back in, in 16 months and he might even have a little extra velo or a little more giddy up on that curveball or whatever it might be. And then you have somebody like Dakota Hudson that kind of reminds you that it's actually not that easy to come back from surgery, a, a major surgery, like what he was dealing with. And I, I find it hard to believe that it's anything other than that in the sense that when he came up and when he was a prospect um i mean he was throwing mid 90s power sinker guys were slamming balls to the ground and now he just can't find that the velo is down the movement is still there but he doesn't know where the pitch is going um just kind of i did not expect that i kind of thought when the Cardinals called Dakota Hudson up in the first place that, wow, we just stumbled upon this 200 inning horse that isn't going to strike out a lot of people, but he's going to soak up innings, be a three, four in the rotation for years to come and, you know, be a valuable, if not great big league starter for a while. Yeah. And it's disappointing. I mean, yeah, they, he's gotten a lot of shots and maybe he still can figure it out in the minors. Um, but I think it's obvious that at this point, he needs to show it consistently before getting another shot at the major league roster. Yeah. And I guess um, if that velo comes up, I will be on the fastball. I think I'll be a little encouraged, yeah. but it's like, not that it's, you know, gas is everything, but it makes life a lot easier. It matters. And speaking of velo, I want to talk about someone who was also optioned alongside Dakota Hudson, but I think for a different reason, um, Matthew Libertor. So, yeah. Uh, speaking of improvement, I want to read something for you. Um, this is a blurb about Matthew Libertor's last start. It's coming from Michael Halpern, who is a fantasy writer, but he writes 
Well, you'll see. It's it's more about his his overall like um, Lord approach. of the Rings, Harry Potter, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, fantasy baseball. Thank you. Oh, okay. All right. This is the velocity bump we were waiting for. Libertor went five innings with three hits, one earned run, and a six to one walk uh, strikeout to walk ratio versus a mostly quad A Detroit lineup on Saturday. But it's the stuff we care about, and the stuff was up across the board. The fastball set 94.8 miles per hour. The sinker was up to 95.2, and the spin on the curveball was up was up 124 RPM. The curve notched a 60% whiff percentage. This is a pretty legit development, and it takes Libertor from a back-end guy to a potential mid-rotation starter, which is where everyone originally thought he would end up in, the, in his younger prospect days. We still have to see if he can maintain the uptick, but this, his stock is on the rise. So hey, that sounds legit, a, bro. Right? That's a really good breakdown uh, of his last start. Um, you know, everything's up. Velocity's up. Spin rate is up. It's all the stuff you need from him. And I, I don't know about you, but that start that he's talking about, like I was super excited about seeing Libertor. It, it, not a great lineup as they as he called out, um, but still, like he looked really good in that start. And yeah, he was optioned um, because you know I think even with that, there's not a spot for him right now. But I agree with you that Woodford is likely the first off the uh, off the bench, so to speak, for a starting spot. Um, but that got me pretty jazzed for what Libertor could do if he can maintain that bump. And, uh, you know, this rotation again, looks different if, uh, he can get back to that, uh, you know, top 100 prospect level yeah. of pitching that he was before. Yeah. And, you know, they were talking about this, uh, or th this was spoken about before that start happened, but. Uh, I think we might be wi uh, witnessing a little bit of the Dusty Blake effect. Uh, Dusty Blake getting in with Matthew Libertor, working on biomechanics, understanding how to get more out of his big... I mean, the guy is massive. He's like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, big kid, strong kid, getting everything that he can out of that body. Um, and yeah, I mean, when you watch the stuff, it look. I mean, it looks good enough to play anywhere to me. So I, right. I am extremely encouraged by that. And yeah, you know, maybe you're right. Uh, I, I think that what we said about Woodford could be true. Could also be true that Woodford is going to be a three inning guy, the two or three inning guy this year. Um, would not be surprised, especially with, you know, I think the the uh, Cardinals are going to break camp with thirteen pitchers um, initially. But let's say if they want to drop that down, they could uh, maybe put like somebody who's on the edge, like a, um, I don't know uh, who, who, who's on the edge of the bullpen right now, I guess, like for Hagen, uh, Palante, maybe. I guess, yeah. And if they want to bring up another position player, if they want Burleson and Motter to be on the team for wh whatever the situation is, maybe they could run a 14-man position player group in a 12-man bullpen. Um, and have some flexibility bringing, bringing up, uh, uh, your guy, uh, my God, my, <laughs> my brain is falling out of my head, uh, bringing it, up Libertor, uh, it's, it's gruesome needed. folks, <laughs> pretty bad. Ben's nose just started bleeding in the middle uh, of that conversation. <laughs> I hope, I hope I landed my point, but maybe, maybe it provides a little more flexibility with the pitching yeah. and you can rely on guys to go a little bit longer rather than more often. Um, and find Libertor some starts there. That being said, my guess, if I had to put money on it right now, is he's going to be riding up and down from Memphis 
uh, you know, pretty much all year and, and right. unless somebody gets hurt. Yeah. But I think it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if he continues to look good in the minors or in, you know, while riding the bus, uh, he, if the Cardinals, especially as we get later into the season, if the Cardinals start to prioritize getting him starts, if he looks good in order to establish him as a member of the 2024 rotation, which is wide open as we've been talking about all off season. Man, uh, I think it would be good. It would behoove the Cardinals to see what they've got here. And if he can, if he can be an anchor in the middle of the rotation, maybe not the top, but there's a lot of stuff, you know, he, he there is a reason why he's so highly, uh, um, thought of, you know, across yeah. baseball, uh, prospect circles and whatnot. And, and it's hard to quantify makeup when you talk about this, but he does just seem like the guy that wants to be great and wants to work his tail off to be a Cardinal starting pitcher. Um, yeah. And I, I, I'll give him a little check mark for that. I don't know if that means he's, you know, like I said, that's unquantifiable, but it is nice to see and it makes you happy. <laughs> We've been doing a lot of check marks this episode. Have we? I feel like we both have said check mark a lot. Okay, I'm hmm. never going to say it again. Yeah, I'm committing uh, to put that. A, put it, I'm going to put a check mark next to that statement. Oh, and no. see if, uh... <laughs> oh this show sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, let's move on. The yeah. uh, I think the other big development from the last week, which does answer a lot of things, I think, at least in the short term, is uh, Paul DeYoung yeah. is uh, not feeling great. No, uh, you've got a inside little and here. outside. Yeah. You want you want to read the quote here from Paul DeYoung? <laughs> Man, poor guy. Uh, Paul DeYoung was quoted saying, I can't touch my toes. I can't do normal things. Not playable. Uh, he is, of course, talking about his lower back issue that has kind of plagued him all uh, uh, spring, really. He was coming into spring healthy and this flared up and he really hasn't been playing much in short. Um, and what he was kind of going on to say is like when he's going to ground a ball or uh, catch a grounder uh, and throw it to first playing short, he can't bend down all the way. And I think that might be the most important physical movement a shortstop <laughs> needs to do. Um, we talked about it last week. The the really the the value add for Paul DeYoung is quality defense at short. Um, I don't yeah. know, man. It is just not going Paulie D's way. I will say though, it is nice. This is the most uh, relatable I've ever found a baseball player because I too can't touch my toes or do normal <laughs> things. So <laughs> at least you know, at least that 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 made me feel good. Yeah, you're you're so close to being an athlete. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I mean, starting on the IL, um, you know, I we don't want to kick him while he's down here, but this does sort of short term solve the problem of like what do we do with Paul DeYoung? Yeah, uh, you know, so it, at least kicks the can down the road a little bit for the Cardinals to have to solve the question of who is the backup shortstop without Paul DeYoung. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think. Like the, the big question that comes from that is so you have a roster spot on the 26 man. Does that go to Alec Burleson, who I think we, we all are on the on the team of like Alec Burleson has been hitting the shit out of the ball. He did that last year. He probably de deserves a spot or uh, like if you're not feeling comfortable with Brendan Donovan backing up shortstop, 
for for Tommy, are we looking at Taylor Motter? And I think Taylor Motter has done a really good job at forcing this conversation. Um, should should he break camp with the team? Is he is he having a flash in spring? Is he showing us something real? But really, I get to go back to what I was saying, like who who's your backup shortstop is is the question yeah. that needs to be answered first. And then everything else can kind of fall in line outside of that. Modder's interesting. He has looked good this year in this small sample size. Defensively, he's been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it does make me think a little bit of Brendan Donovan last year, not just because he also has long hair, <laughs> but uh, maybe that is part of it. Um, but yeah, he's one of those guys that's kind of been all over the place, has that energy level that, uh, you know, Donovan also brought to the, brought to the camp and seems like he'd be serviceable at most defensive positions and can maybe get behind a ball every once in a while and, and, you know, hit it hard. Uh, I, I don't suspect he would be much of an offensive threat. Um, he's had some good at bats this spring, but defensively he's looked pretty good. So I, I, it feels like it's going that way. Um, but I, to your first point, uh, I think Burleson should have a spot on the, in the roster. Yeah. Like he's already on the 40 man. He, he's like, he, I think he'd be a great bench bat spot starter. You know, you could do a lot worse than him and let's start to get a better idea of what do we have here? Yeah. Yeah. You can play the corners. Of course we like his bat and he can give Paul, uh, Goldschmidt a day off his feet. Paul can go DH and, and Burleson can play uh, first base, you know, reasonably well. Yeah. I, you know, th- back to the modern thing. I think that like Mo- modern's it's good that he can play all four infield positions. I wonder if he could play outfield that might just add a little bit to him, but he's also a nice compliment at second uh, and short with Brendan, uh, with Donovan um, Gorman, and Edmund in the sense that he is a right-handed hitter and obviously Edmund's a switch hitter, but the, you know, lefty lefty. Um, so it might be a good ad. Uh, yeah. It's, it's hard to tell. I think my gut tells me, well, who's more toolsy. Give me, give me the tools of Alec Burleson over Taylor Motter, but, uh, we'll, we'll yeah. see. I don't know. Well, in Taylor Motter, you know, sometimes you catch, uh, lightning in a bottle, but, there's also a reason why, you know, he's spent 10 years essentially bouncing around between major league teams and minor league teams. You know, he he's a journeyman guy at this point. So it, any expectation that suddenly the Cardinals found this like, you know, new kid who's going to suddenly uh, do everything well in the majors is unlikely. Um, yeah. But can he act as a serviceable backup? Uh, it sure seems that way. Yeah. Um, Modder's got a hundred and fifty nine games played in five years in the bigs. Um, so, yeah, it, it is that guy that is. You know, he hasn't really played seriously since 20, 2017, um, but yeah, you never know. I don't know. He may, maybe he did find something. Maybe he came down to Cardinals camp and, and something clicked. But uh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Cardinal way. Wow. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um all right what else from spring should we talk about here yeah i think the only other thing i wanted to talk about was the fact that i was convinced that we would see an extension specifically for a starting pitcher by this time there's about a week left it's always possible that you can get an extension done during the season a little less likely 
Um, but I was just convinced a Jordan Montgomery, Miles Michaelis, I don't know, something, something was going to come along um, and, and ex, you know, grab the Cardinals a starting pitcher for next season. Um, and it just hasn't. Yeah, we talked about it all off season. Uh, like maybe if Flaherty looks healthy in spring, he would be a candidate. And, you know, he certainly seems healthy. Um, some questions about his performance so far, but, you know, it's, yeah. it's still spring. We'll go and we'll throw that caveat out there. But uh, I don't know. It certainly seems like it would have been done by now. You don't normally get that in the last week of spring training. Uh, but we're not even hearing anything. You know, a lot of times you'll get players who will say like, oh, I'm I'm not I'm not talking about it during the off season or during the season or, or whatever. But we're really not hearing anything, which makes me think um, there's not much going on. But also the Cardinals are usually pretty good at keeping that stuff secret until it's not. So, yeah, we'll see. Or we'll just start this up again. The Cardinals are saying goodbye to all those pitchers and saving all that money for Lars Newbar's best friend, Shohei Otani. What's going to happen? Shohei Otani signs with the Cardinals, uh, ten years, five hundred million. Yeah. And then Roki Sasaki decides that he wants to leave Japanese baseball, come to America, and take a rookie yeah. contract with the Cardinals so that he can pitch with his friend Lars Newbar and uh-huh. Shohei Otani. Um, and we get two of the best pitcher, young pitchers in the world. And uh, uh, yeah, that's that's my prediction. Sounds great to me, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch Roki Sasaki and his start against Mexico? Yeah, yeah I couldn't watch I mean, the whole thing, but it's it's incredible. 21-year-old kid pumping 102 like it's nothing. Yeah. In a, yeah. yeah, he's impressive. He'll be think, he'll be in the majors at some point. Well, it's that, that silly Japanese posting system. They either have to wait till they're 25 or come over and do what Shohei did and cost themselves a lot of money. And I think if Roki waits until he's 25, he's probably going to make uh, many hundreds of millions or at least a hundred million dollars. Um, that's yeah. the kind of talent he is. But uh, my prediction, I'm putting that in into stone. Uh, watch it happen. Uh, everyone next offseason. Boom. I've never wanted you to be right more in my entire <laughs> life. We'll just take half right. the, the Japanese team. We'll we'll come on over. They're good. There you go. Yeah, sure. Why not? Get in here. We've got new bar. What else do you need? New bar and the rest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, what a seamless transition. Let's go back to the WBC a little bit and uh, talk about the... The Cardinals performance. I mean, yeah. uh, one of the most fun parts about this, uh, I think for me and for you and for our listeners was like this. This was an all star lineup, star studded um, and a couple teams, you know, really, really were represented there. And I think uh, maybe none more than the Cardinals, you know, maybe the Phillies with like Schwarber, Trey, yeah. uh, Real Muto, but uh, having uh, Nolan and Goldie in the heart of the lineup, and then Wayno and Michaelis as two of your starters. Like it felt like every game was impacted pretty heavily by a by a St. Louis Cardinal. And Lance Lynn is still kind of ours in spirit, right? Like sure. I, I still feel connected uh, to our our dear yeah. buddy, friend of the pod, Lance Lynn, friend of the pod. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, out like just big picture, Lance Lynn is still one of my favorite pitchers. Yeah, I like, love him. I, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he did great in this, uh, he did. but 
you know, I'd say outside of the final, which was a, a challenging game and, and, you know, Japan has some fantastic pitchers, uh, Arenado and, and Goldschmidt really were key parts of the offense. Yeah. Nato, I think just like tremendous start to finish. Uh, Goldie looked really great in the beginning in his last two games. He just seemed like he was not seeing the ball as well. Uh, last night during the final, he had a couple of ABs that were just like, Oh man, that he, he that just wasn't. Yeah. Two on ground, double play. That was, that was disappointing. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, when a guy you've never seen is throwing 97 and he's got a splitter that's breaking a foot, um, it's really tough. It's hard to blame Golty for that. I actually yeah. thought I was kind of surprised because of how USA was looking against these Japanese pitchers that are still in the MPB. I was surprised when they called you Darvish out. Now, obviously, you Darvish is great, uh, has been great for a very long time. Um, but all the all, all the USA lineup has seen you Darvish for years and years. They 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 know what he throws. He's obviously super talented, but they know the arm angle and all that stuff. I kind of yeah. thought they had the advantage in like, well, we've never seen. Uh, I can't remember the kid's name yesterday, but the the twenty four year old, like I said, that was throwing ninety seven yeah. with the splitter, like he kind of had the advantage just just because the eyes. That being said, you came in and did a fine job, other than the Schwarber home run. <laughs> Except but, for uh, Schwarber, yeah, man, what a bomb! That ball it felt like it was still going up when it hit the second deck. It yeah. was wild. Um, yeah, it yeah, was huge. Uh, Goldie Arenado looked great. Arenado, just some incredible plays. We're used to it at this point, but it was fun to see it, uh, you know, on that stage. And then, uh, uh, Wano's start, which I was very nervous about in yeah. the, uh, in the semifinals, um, very dramatic opening inning. I was starting to get a little bit of, of flashback to, uh, the 2013 world series in Boston with, yeah. uh, Wainwright on the mound and just like one, mistake after another you know you remember when that ball fell in between yachty and wayno yeah. uh, in that world series game and just how bad that felt uh i mean if you didn't catch the game that we're talking about uh wainwright had i think it was three infield singles in a row including one that basically went right under his hand and then he also overthrew goldie at first you know, Wayno, it, it, it wasn't, it didn't look great, but it was also a lot of the back to back, just bad luck of yeah. that can happen in baseball. And then to his credit, uh, you know, I think recognizing that other than the bad throw and, and the misplay, like he wasn't necessarily pitching poorly. He was just getting bad results, uh, was able to get out of the inning without, with only giving up one run and then went four innings, and that was the only run that he gave up. Uh, yeah. It was a huge bounce back, and it's kind of the way that we all know, right? It's like if he gets out of the first inning, he's probably going six innings. You know, yeah. and they're not going to do that in the WBC, but that's usually how it is as a Cardinal. Like he kind of either blows up early and it's done, or he's going to go deep into the game. Yeah, and, and I think like I cannot remember. Uh, Wayno making a throwing air to a base, like period. I, yeah. I cannot remember. I, obviously, it's happened at some point, but I, I was thinking about that, watching that, and I, I cannot remember the last time he did that for the Cardinals. It has clearly been a long time. He's an excellent fielder, Gold Glove winner. 
Um, and yeah, I think it, I think it speaks to the pressure of the game. I think it speaks to how early it is in the season. Uh, you know, I, I think that it was just a weird start. Wayno made fun of himself after the game, just saying he's too old to, uh, get down there and, and field those balls. <laughs> um, but obviously he knows he can make those plays. Um, but yeah, I think we should Cardinals fans should be extremely encouraged by Wayno's start. Obviously it started poorly, but we were talking about in the bird score. That's the best his fastball has looked. Uh, since the, like the last month or so of last season when he was kind of losing stuff, but it was high eighties, low nineties that had movement on it. It was tricking pitchers. The two seamer was really cutting back in, uh, or, or far, sorry, running back in towards the plate on lefties, um, looking super difficult. And he even said in the post game that his curveball was moving so much that he had to make an adjustment. Um, and it took him about four or five curveballs um, to catch up because it was moving so much that it was out of the zone. And obviously we know that he can throw it, you know, north, south, east, west for a strike or not. If he wants to, he really can command the crap out of that pitch. He just uh, when you got a few extra inches of break, you kind of have to recalibrate, you know, yeah. where, where you're trying to land that pitch. So I think while I was when I st- we started the WBC, I was con- very concerned I thought we were about to fall off a cliff. I thought, you know, Wayno, could he survive with minus three or four miles per hour on his fastball? Maybe he would have to be perfect. Um, but when it's moving and it's it's back to the the velo he was at last year, I'm feeling much, much better about what that means for him in the regular season and and all that. Yeah, same. I was very, very nervous going into that game and uh yeah, it looked like our nerves, our, our concerns were being justified. And then he brought it back around and and ended up having a really good start. And then Michaelis came in and did another four innings and looked yeah. great. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, outside of uh, Team USA, there were an, a few other standout performances. Uh, Tyler O'Neill uh, had a, what is it, a 1.491 OPS for Team Canada. Not bad. Um, I, I I've said it going in um, this idea that there's a a competition that results in Tyler O'Neill not being one of the starting three in the outfield, I think is false. I think he yeah. is uh, if he's healthy, he is the, the closest we have to a guaranteed starting spot. And I think that this just confirmed that I uh, it was uh, he, he was great for Team Canada, just Team Canada outside of him and Freddie Freeman, um, you know, didn't really have much behind them to go deep yeah. in the tournament, but he looked great and I'm excited to see him back in camp and I'm really hopeful for a Tyler O'Neill bounce back because it, it changes the, uh, the complexion of this team considerably. If we have a 2021 Tyler O'Neill on this team. Yeah. I don't think it's crazy to say that outside of the big two at the corners, Nolan and Goldie, that he is a real, like the only other, legitimate MVP threat or conversation player on the Cardinals. Obviously there's a lot of good players, but he is the one that can put up a, you know, 35, 25 season and and with gold glove defense and and all that, he can really put together an MVP level season. And, uh, I, 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 I have high expectations for him. I know you do. Um, I, I want him batting in the middle of the lineup and and driving in runs and playing great D and center. So I I think we're well on the way. And, yeah, him, even though it was a brief stint, seeing him play at that level on that stage, you know, especially yeah. like you're talking about when you're the only you and Freddie are the only good hitters on the team. They don't have to pitch to you. Um, 
and, and Tyler made him pay. So good for him. Yeah. Yeah. If you remember, he got MVP votes in 2021 yeah. and that was his first like full healthy season in the league. So, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of high hopes for him this year for the boys uh, <laughs> doing it for the <Du> boys. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We haven't talked about for the boys for a little while. No. Uh, it's coming back though. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, we had bullpen guys all over the place, uh, but, uh, Guillermo Zuniga, maybe the biggest breakout of wow. this WBC from a Cardinal perspective, right? Like I kept thinking, like, I kept forgetting, like, holy shit, this guy's a Cardinal. Like this yes. is, he's going to be in the, in the Cardinal bullpen all year. Uh, I'm really excited for Zuniga. And, and I don't know if he's locked up necessarily with the spot right now, but from what I saw him do, to major league hitters, like there's no reason that I mean this guy deserves every chance to be in the bullpen. I mean, absolute yeah. devastating stuff. Huge fastball with a great slider. Um, and in the WBC, he threw only three innings. His team didn't go super long, but he racked up six K's. And uh, if you go back and watch those, the, the K's were against very good established major leaguers. So uh, I expect him to be back in camp here soon. All the players are kind of filtering back in, maybe get a couple of more spring games. Um, and I, I, I'll take him over a lot of those other names, it, you know, even if it's just a, a, a crap shot, like we don't really know because he's he's so young. But yeah, I want to see it. Well, well, this was we've talked about this a little bit, but this is clearly the approach the Cardinals were taking and and are modeling what other teams have been doing as well, which is you basically gamble on a bunch of these live arms and see what sticks and what doesn't stick. And based off of the incredibly small sample size, but just the the look of Zuniga in this WBC made me think like this certainly seems like one that's going to stick. Yeah. Uh, and there's ample opportunity if he can keep doing it. Uh, Nate. I think you're right about this one. <laughs> we'll put a check mark next to that one. Oh, no, no. <laughs> well, we've got several more things that we want to talk about, including a very important subject in, uh, 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 regarding chicken. And uh, before we get to that, though, <laughs> what a what teaser. A <laughs> before we get to that, we want to remind all of our listeners that this show is supported on Patreon, patreon.com slash talking about birds. Uh, we take a lot of time and effort to put the show together for you, though it might not always seem that way. <laughs> and we would really appreciate your support. Uh, anyone who does, uh, subscribe at patreon.com slash talking about birds. We have a host of different, uh, levels, but, uh, at any level you get access to our private discord server. Ben mentioned it earlier. It's the bird scored. And let me tell you, it's where I was at in the WBC. Like yeah. I kept having this, like, should I, you know, I, I want to engage with people while watching these games. And I didn't feel compelled to go on to the broader social media stuff. I just wanted to chat about it in the bird scored. And it was a ton of fun. And uh, we're going to be doing that all season. So if you want to uh, hang out and follow the Cardinals, in a way that maybe you haven't before and support the creation of this show, consider subscribing at patreon.com slash talking about birds and yeah, uh, subscribe just for a month. We'll let you in the bird score and maybe we'll forget how to take you out and you'll get locked in there and you can <laughs> get your money back. I mean, we're pretty stupid, so you could probably check yeah. us. Do one of those things where you're like, 
all right, I'll give you the $2 for Patreon, but I only have a 10. So can I get change? (laughs) And then like, oh, you gave us a, you gave me a 20, uh, you know, and we'll be fooled. And this will all be done over like, you know, cash app or something. I'll still get tricked. I guarantee Uh, you might, you might make money uh, if you join the bird score. (laughs) Uh, and if uh, if you don't want to fool us into giving you money, um, you could also consider leaving us a positive review on your favorite podcast platform. I like reading them on the show, and it is a way to help. Helps us show up in search engines and whatnot. So thank you for all of you who have. Uh, if you want to engage with us in other places, though, online, Ben, how can people do that? Yeah, make sure to follow us on Twitter at TalkAboutBirds. You can follow us on Instagram at TalkingAboutBirds. Uh, you can also... Find us on the TikTok. We're doing a TikTok. Follow us there. We're doing a TikTok. Figure it out. We there. Uh, you can listen to this show on Spotify if you prefer to listen to your PCasts there. Um, and if you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, comments. PCasts. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. Uh, if you want to weigh in on if PCast is cool or pod or whatever show, um, you can email us at talkaboutbirds at gmail.com. Um, outside of that, I would like to say, yeah, leave the review five stars only. Okay. Five stars <laughs> only. Um, <laughs> we or else don't take, give you a five star. <laughs> we don't take criticism. Damn it. All right. Um, so, Ben, you added something to the outline this week Uh-oh. that yeah. obviously got piqued my interest. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to let you intro it. What are we what are we talking about here? Well, we talk about food a lot because uh, we're cool. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll just leave it there. But big food news. Uh, big breaking shoes, as one might yep. say. Um, Shaquille O'Neal. He owns a chicken chain called Big Chicken, which might be the dumbest name for a restaurant I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Big Chicken like owned it. by you like it. Yeah. Do you what, think he just... He's big and there's chicken. <laughs> Sha- it should, could, should be called like Shack Shack or something like that. Chicken Chicken Shack. Um Shack's Chicken Shack. No, or Big sh- Chicken. What do you, what more do I what do I want? I want chicken. I want big chicken. <laughs> Well, it should be called big hot chicken because I big, want hot yeah. chicken. When I, but but yeah, yeah, big chicken. I like it. Okay, well, he nailed it then. Great job, Shaquille yeah. O'Neal. Uh, big chicken is opening two stands in Bush Stadium this season. They will be open by opening day, and it will be purveying chicken sandwiches and ice cream cookie sandwiches. So all your sandwiches okay. are going to be covered there. Um, I've looked at the that's website. Those are the two types of sandwiches. It's all you need. Chicken, hot, hot chicken dogs and are sandwiches. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hot dogs are American tacos. I've said this a thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> chicken sandwiches, ice cream cookie sandwiches. The chicken sandwiches look fire. But I'll tell you right now, the ice cream sandwiches, they're like warm chocolate chip cookies and, and different flavors of cookies yeah. to go with different flavors of ice cream. Oh, my God. On a hot St. Louis day, that looks so good. Um, yeah. so I, I mean, we're all excited about this. I might have to fly out to Bush just to go to shack shack of big hot chicken. Uh, yeah, it's, I, I'm, I'm probably going to go uh, the first game that I go to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I've been a lifelong Shaquille O'Neal fan too. Oh, I know this. Well, yes. On my wall, just right to the left of me, I had Molly for my birthday, like 10 years ago, painted me. Yes. A full-on portrait of Shaquille O'Neal uh, dressed as like a as a royal king. Uh, it's ridiculous. And actually, very recently, I was uh, 
um, from something from the bird scored. People were talking about their card collections and uh, I'm not much of a card collector, even though I've gotten a little bit into it with, with the show and whatnot. But uh, I have a collection of like 200 Shaquille O'Neal cards that I collected <laughs> as a, as a child. Yeah. And so I've been going through and, and adding them into this app to like catalog them. And so right next to me right now is a pile of like a hundred, yeah. like, oh, like hundreds of Shaquille O'Neal cards. So I got to keep the brand going. I got to yeah. go get the, the big, big chicken. I know uh, you have I, a Shaquille O'Neal jersey that's like a, a child's medium that uh, you'll wear from time to time. It still fits great. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> no, it was a uh, I, I got I did get it when I was like eight. Yeah, but it was like down to my knees when I got it. Yeah. And I uh, I haven't worn it for a while, but I used to wear it to like any sort of fantasy baseball or football draft or whatever. Um, but I should bust it up. Maybe I'll just start yeah. wearing it around town. <laughs> Well, Maybe if you're I'll going to Big it. Chicken, you gotta wear it. That's what I was gonna say. Maybe I'll wear it to a to a Cardinal game. Yeah, I normally wear my Ozzy Smith shirt, but maybe I'll wear the uh, the Shack jersey. Yeah, you can wear both. Um, in other Cardinals food news, uh, local joint, which I, I haven't been to in a while, but I know when I was still living in St. Louis, this was a hot spot. Uh, Mission Taco is opening a new restaurant at Bush Stadium. Uh, so I think that's exciting. I don't know if Mission Taco is still good. It was good when I was there. More good food options at Bush is a good thing. I always kind of thought that Bush didn't have the best food options when I was going there more regularly. It was like you could get you could definitely get a good hot dog and a beer and all that. Um, but I'm I am fully in support of the, uh, the 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 movement that's happening here. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah, um, Mission Taco is fine. Um, I haven't been for a while, but I, when I when I had been there, it's been good. Um, they're at the level that I think is is good to be actually able to sustain business within Bush Stadium, where it's insane. You know, you have to be able yeah. to serve like potentially thousands of people in a night. Because um, there have been some other uh, smaller restaurants that have tried to set up shop in Bush Stadium and just couldn't handle it. So I think Mission Taco should be able to be successful at yeah. that. Um, and yeah, but more broadly, like, yeah, I agree with you. Bush has some good food, but it's all been derivatives of the same, just like stadium food and right. this movement to have a more, uh, unique fare, a more representative, uh, menu of the food that's available in the city, I think is, is good and cool. And I would like to see more of that. Yeah. And you agree with me that a hot dog is an American taco, right? I want to get that on record. <laughs> yeah, you said you've said that a ton, and that's the first I've heard about it. And uh, if you listen been... back to the shows, I've said it over and over again. <laughs> I've always thought of it more as a um, as like an American gyro, mm. um, but I like American taco even better. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, the, 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 the meme of calling a hot dog a sandwich is stupid and I hate yeah. it. So, yeah. um, yeah. You know what it's, I say uh, to those people, Nate? What, what? Take a hike. I'll put a check mark next to that one, Ben. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> the worst episode hot we've ever dog, done. Bad yeah. food for a hike. Yeah. Hey, yeah. wow. <laughs> uh, taco is probably a bad food for a hike too. Yeah. Yeah like, yeah, like nuts and berries are good food for a hike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. What else are we talking about? <laughs> nuts, and, nuts and berries. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, yeah. So I think that's all we've got for the food news. So uh, you know what? Yeah. I make, I'm making a commitment right here, right now. 
yeah. I will report back on how big chicken uh, yeah. is doing. And, and I want to be, whether... you have to get a chicken sandwich and you also have to get an ice cream sandwich. I want to be very clear about that. Okay. Um, deal. Okay. Cool. All right. Uh, let's move on to our next segment. Uh, every week we've been covering, uh, we've been breaking down the other teams in the NL Central, talking about uh, what you might be able to expect from them this year and what their offseason has been like. We started from the, the bottom up and we are on our last week. So we are now talking about the the only team that is considered uh, a likely contender for the NL Central. Yeah. Cardinals are pretty clear favorites across the board, but uh, if anyone else is going to take the NL Central, this team is easily the second most likely team. And yeah. it's a pretty big gap be- between the top two and uh, and the rest of the NL Central. So we're, of course, talking about the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, I think we've been starting this uh, by talking about the the notable losses from the 2022 team to this team. Uh, so, Ben, you want to run through those? Yeah, um, and I'll just say I agree with everything you said. Uh, notable losses for people that are being shipped out. Omar Narvaez, he is now with the Mets. Uh, pretty underrated player, although he didn't have a great year last year. Taylor Rogers has left the team after the big trade that happened last year that yep. shipped their world star closer, which we thought was stupid. Brad Boxberger is also off the team. And Andrew McCutcheon, we know he has gone home to the Pirates, which I think we are all... Um, I, I, we're all happy about that, even though yeah. it's, uh, I don't know, it's kind of complicated. Um, there's also the Mariners completed a trade with, or, or sorry, the Brewers completed a trade with the Mariners, uh, sending Colton Wong, who of course we know very well, to the Brewers, or sorry, wow, Colton <laughs> Wong from the Brewers to the Mariners. The Mariners sent uh, left fielder DH Jesse Winker uh, and infielder Abraham Toro. Um, and I think we talked about this when it happened. And I think I'm still sitting here saying that I, I think it's probably a good deal for both teams. We'll talk yeah. about the Brewers offense a little more in the in a, in a second here. But I think the Brewers are doing an interesting thing where they are. They're kind of treating their offense like the Cardinals are treating uh, their pitching And like we got a lot of options. Hopefully a lot of them, you know, break the right way, break the right way. We have enough where if it doesn't hold, like if 50% of them pop, we should be competitive. Um, so, so we'll see what happens, but anyways, moving on to their additions, uh, through free agency, Wade Miley, uh, and Brian Anderson signed with those teams on major league, uh, uh, with the brewers on major league deals. Brian Anderson is likely to be a utility fielder, um, and Wade Miley kind of the fourth, fifth starter for them. Uh, Luke Voigt and Tyler Naquin have also joined the team, on minor league deals. I would expect both of those guys to make the team uh, just because mm-hmm. the kind of the edges of the Brewers roster isn't fantastic um, and they don't really have any kids knocking on the door. Uh, speaking to that, um, the youngsters to watch is, is I guess what I've called this part of the offseason review. Uh, uh-huh. But I think the big questions for the kids, um, Garrett Mitchell, he can play defense. Is that bat real? Um, and Bryce Terang, who is a seems to be an all-world defender at shortstop and other infield positions, is he going to impact the team? Is he going to hit enough? Um, what what does his role look like for the Brewers in 2023? 
there's uh there's another storyline to watch with the Brewers young players probably won't impact the Brewers in 2023 but uh it is something that we as Cardinal fans should keep an eye on because we might have to deal with this guy for a long time the Brewers have a prospect his name is Jackson Churio have you seen this kid yeah well yeah is yeah. it I thought he was starting in single A though are we are we already He's up to double A okay. and I have seen comps of he's the next Acuna, the next Tatis, you know, he's he, don't like people that. Are look, people are looking at him as this, uh, this Uber prospect. I think he's 18 or 19, um, might be the next 20 year old in the league, you know? So, uh, keep an eye out for that. Probably won't make it to the majors in 2023, but, uh, you know, this is a big year to establish. Is he really this next huge yeah. Uber prospect or was last year just a flash in the pan? But he was doing things in the minors that are, were comped to guys like Wander Franco and also like Tatis and Acuna. So uh, high, high regard for him at his age. So keep an eye out for that. But ultimately, it is like you said, this has been a uh, there's a lot of comps to what the Brewers are doing and what the Cardinals are doing. Um, not a big off season for them. One big trade moving Wong and Winker. Um, and I, I kind of get it. I, I bet if you were a Brewers fan, you were really wishing they'd go and sign one big bat. Um, but they've got the pitching. They've got one of the best rotations in baseball pop. Probably. They only need, uh, you know, a Peralta or a Lauer or an Ashby to complement Burns and Woodruff, and they could have the best rotation in the NL, definitely in the NL Central. And if Winker can bounce back or if Yelich can bounce back, uh, plus some of these younger guys, Willie Adamez is looking really good for them and can continue to improve. Like, they could be a really good team. You don't have to... You really don't have to stretch your imagination very far to see this team with an elite pitching, with an elite rotation and a slightly above to above average offense. And all of a sudden we're in another, uh, you know, race for the NL Central. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I agree with that. And really the main reason I put the and I think the Cardinals are over in most projection systems and why most people are uh, picking the Cardinals to win the Central is I, I 100 percent agree uh, Burns and Woodruff, you can't really get better than those one, too. Uh, but their team is reliant upon their starting pitcher group. Um, and as we've talked about, you know, ad nauseum, that is the most that, that is the hardest commodity to keep healthy in baseball. Yeah, uh, the, this happened to them last year uh, with Peralta having injury issues, Lauer having injury issues, Ashby having injury and effectiveness issues. Um, and, and, you know, I hope that Burns, just for the fun of the game, I hope that Burns and Woodruff can stay healthy all year, but they are really relying upon their, th their whole team's success is relying upon a few arms, um, um, to stay healthy and effective. So we'll see what happens to them. I think the other big question for their pitching is obviously Devin Williams is now taking over as the closer. We saw him pitching for team USA. We all know how unbelievable that changeup is paired with a nice power fastball. Um, but how is the rest of the bull, bullpen going to be? Um, some of their starters have now moved to the bullpen. I think it's kind of a big question mark. They don't have necessarily any big names or big strikeout guys there. Um, and if those starters that we talked about aren't going the distance, um, I think that that's kind of their their soft underbelly is uh, is their the back in uh, pitching outside of Devin Williams. 
Yeah, and uh, bullpens are so they fluctuate so rapidly all already. Um, this one, I really don't have like a, a good take on. I mean, Devin Williams is incredible, so they've yeah. got that going for him. Um, but yeah, you can see where the cracks in this team could lay, and it is uh, the pitching, which is a volatile thing to begin with. Um, it, if that stumbles, it's not even going to matter how much their offense bounces yeah. back. Um, so yeah, yeah, it should be a good race though. I mean, we, you know, we want the brewers to be competitive, right? It's more fun, uh, as a fan to have a good race through the whole summer. Now, what I really hope is what happened last year where, you know, it was a really good race until like August and then the yeah. Cardinals ran away with it. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to to the race with with the Brewers and the central everyone stomping on the Cubs. The central's trending up. The Cubs are getting better. The Brewers are kind of standing pat. The the Pirates are slowly inching forward. I think we're we're getting close to that. Um, and yeah, the final point I want to make on the Brewers and, and their season is they got four players on the position player side that I think are are going to be huge for them this year. Uh, Winker and Yelich are they going to be able to bounce back? Uh, Winker had neck issues. He had a, a weird injury year last year. He was still walking a lot, still seeing the base, the baseball well, uh, but just no power and the hit tool was suffering. Yelich, I think we all know that he what's going on with him. He's hitting the ball hard finally again. It's just not getting any elevation on it. If Yelich yeah. starts to get launch angle under the ball, I it wouldn't be the most shocking thing to me if he gets back to 40 home run seasons, but he's got to do that. On the other side, uh, William Contreras, Wilson's brother, uh, and Rowdy Telez. They both kind of had breakout years last year uh, from a power uh, point specifically. And I think I'll be curious to see, are those real? Um, is Rowdy mm-hmm. Telez really a 30 home run guy? Is William Contreras really one of the best hitting catchers in baseball? Um, I think those are those are two big outstanding questions that will need to be answered. And if all those guys hit, this offense all of a sudden looks a lot scarier. It's a powerful offense. There yeah. might not be a lot of average, um, but Willie Adams can hit 30 plus home runs. Like they could have this team where they've got elite starting pitching and three, four, five guys pushing 25, 30 home yeah. runs. And they're not necessarily going to clog the bases, but with that good of pitching, you only need maybe, you know, a home run or two in, in a game and, and they win. So yeah, uh, that's, that's their path to success. Yeah. Uh, fan graphs has their projected win loss total to be 86 versus 76. You, you've taken the, the higher, the low on that, Nathan. It's a good, it's a good number. Yeah. Uh, these, these are always, my heart is always like under cause I just, you know, I want that's the heart wants what the heart wants. Yeah. You know? Um, but you know what, Ben? I'm going to go over on this one. I think yep. the Brewers are going to have a good year, and I think the Cardinals are going to have a better year. But I, I'm I'm expecting a good a good fight between these two teams. Yeah. So you're taking over 86. I'm also going to take over 86. Um, and I think the the Cardinals. I, I think both these teams are going to be in the 90 win uh, bracket. And yeah. I think that uh, while the the Brewers position players, there, there's lots of questions. Keston Hira, I think is just not what we thought he was going to be. Um, But those names that we were talking about earlier, um, and I think, you know, when you have Burns and Woodruff, it's just a really, really great place to start. Um, And I wouldn't be shocked shocked if Peralta throws, you know, well over 150 innings this year. And we know 
Although he he's had a he's had trouble with the Cardinals. Uh, we know how good he can be, and that guy's got his repertoire and the movement on it might be like the best combined movement yeah. of any pitcher in baseball when he's on. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens there. But I, I'm also going to take the over. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, let's let's uh, let's go into our next segment here. We're going to cover some of the uh, happenings from around the league. Just a few things to to touch on. Um, ben, why don't you kick it off? Yeah, I think we could blaze through these. Uh, Edwin Diaz, as you know, he got hurt in the WBC celebrating the victory, what jumping up and down, ripped his patellar tendon. It's going to be out Ouch. the rest of the season. Uh, Man, we didn't really talk about this in the in the top half when we were talking about the WBC, but him, Altuve, uh, that moment of panic around Arenado, even yeah. though he was super chill about it the whole time, like the injuries, uh, you know, they, they're freak. It could happen in spring training. Not, I don't really want to relitigate, relitigate that conversation, but it is, uh, is a huge bummer, especially yeah. for Diaz. Like what a swing of emotions, Puerto Rico, wonderful baseball, um, part of the world and maybe the biggest win in Puerto Rican team sports history. And then that, and yeah. you know, it, it, it sucks. Baseball I like to part think of the that, world. That, yeah. I think that probably would have, what, whatever I said was smart and good. Um, <laughs> the, uh, uh, I have to imagine with that sort of, like such a low impact to cause that like that was probably going to happen one way or another anyway, but for it to happen, like literally celebrating that huge win after three strikeouts, like, man, what yeah. a bummer, but yeah. hopefully he recovers. Mets are being super like cool about it. The, Steve Cohen was saying a bunch of really nice things about him and what they're going to do to, you know, facilitate his recovery. So, yeah. Uh, it, but it, it hurts. Um, yeah, Steve Cohen said so. he's, uh, he's buying Edwin Diaz, a private chef for his recovery. Um, yeah, it was like, and that uh, makes me want to go rip my patellar tendon. I like, know. It sounds right? great. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll rehab a knee for six months for a yeah. private chef. Not in a, <laughs> not an equation I knew was a, uh, was a possibility, but <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, as Nate said, Jose Altuve, he got hit in the thumb. Um, by a very wild Daniel Bard throwing 97 plus uh, that thumb broke. He's going to get surgery. It looks like eight to 10 weeks for him. Um, so that is too bad. It's fun to dunk on the Astros, but baseball's better when Altuve is playing. So that's yeah. that's too bad. And for of all the Astros players that you can like, you know, possibly excuse or at least feel good about. It's like Altuve is the one, you know, he, right. you know, obviously he knew about everything, da, 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 da. But like. I don't know. I like Altuve and it sucks to to have your uh, thumb broken by a yeah. pitch. It's hard not yeah. to like a guy that's five, six and going to the yeah. Hall of Fame. Like it's it's yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, moving down, uh, Jerks and Profar. Holy it's crap. Done. He finally signed. And of course, he signed with the Rockies, who absolutely don't need him in any capacity <laughs> other than the sense that at least he walks with the which the well, Rockies do not have a lot of that. Ben, you got to block those prospects somehow. Okay. You can't, you can't have these fun young players coming up. You yeah. gotta, you gotta sign these guys. If, if, <laughs> if Jerickson Profar blocks Zach Veen or takes at bats away from El Montero, then I'm, 
I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm going to start making threats towards Dick Monfort <laughs> and, the, and the Rockies organization. I, I don't know what to say about these. I, the good news is we know he won't be taking ABs away from Ezekiel Tovar. Uh, the Rockies yeah. do have one thing to root for uh, this season, and that's him. So we'll see. But it's over $7.75 million. Crazy thing is, is he denied an option with the Padres for $7.5 million. And I think this is just the player and the agent misreading the market. You'd have to imagine that he would take 7.5 and be with a far superior team, the Padres, than come over uh, with the Rockies. Well, you said he turned down 7.5 and he got 7.75. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Sounds like a raise to me, baby. <laughs> Cash in pocket. I bet Denver's slightly it. cheaper than uh, than San Diego, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But great, so. great 3D chess move by Jerks and Profar. <laughs> um, we'll see. At least uh, it's entertaining to watch. So at least I'll get that. No idea where he's going to play. Um, I like that you said 3D chess because most people say 4D chess uh, no. when saying a big brain move. So he just played like chess <laughs> on a uh, like a Mac from 1988, you know, that yeah. like developed 3D chess or just yeah. real chess, which is just. 3d chess yeah you know? yeah yeah he's he he's got them all locked down yep um last bit of news cuban national team uh backup catcher ivan prieto prieto uh did not join the team flight on the way back home to cuba with the cuban national team has effectively fled the country um not much to add to this other than shout out to ivan i hope he's safe and everything's okay and hey maybe he'll get a, a minor league deal somewhere and catch on with the with the team yeah, pretty interesting. We talked about this a little bit last week with uh, the um, uh, the guy getting the contract out of this and how people use these global events to raise their profile or use it to get out of a bad situation. And and kind of surprised this is the first time this has happened uh, from the WBC. I, as long as uh, Cuba continues to participate, I suspect this won't be the last. Um, so yeah, like you said, I just repeat, hopefully he's safe. Uh, it is a, uh, incredibly difficult decision to make. And, uh, you know, I hope that it works out for him and hopefully we get to a point where guys can just come here if they want to, and they don't have to go through stuff like this, but, uh, out of all the ways to, to, to do it, one of the nicer ones, you know, we, we always hear these horrible stories and at least he just got to participate in a tournament and then not get on a plane. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to wrap up this episode with a little game. Then the 2023 season is about to start. So I want to see how well do you remember the 2022 season? We're going to play a, a new game, a quick little game. I'm calling. I wonder, I wonder if they were over or under. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I just have a handful of stats here that I'm going to say the, I'm going to say the player and I'm going to give you a stat. And then you have to tell me if in 2022 they were over or under this stat. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Cool. So we're going to jump right in. Are these Cardinal players or are you just picking players out? All card, all Cardinals. All right. Cardinals from 2022. I watched a lot of games last year, Nate. I did a whole podcast I, about it. Yeah. Same. Oh, Big same. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll see how this goes. Uh, all right. Jack Flaherty. Oof. Over or under 
35 strikeouts in 2022. <laughs> oh, that's good. What a, <laughs> what a shitty way to start that. Um, <laughs> over under 35. So I, I was guessing he threw about 40 innings. I don't think he eclipsed eight per nine, nine per nine. I'm going to say he's under that. You're correct. He had 33 strikeouts. Wow. Wow. Nice. Good line. Good line. Yeah. Yep. All right. Miles Michaelis. Over under 200 innings pitched. Cowabunga, dude. Um, mm-hmm. Man, that's another well set line. I don't think the Cardinals had anyone do 200, though. Um, his memory serves. I'm going to say under 200. He pitched 202 innings. Oh, pain. Ouch. Suffering. Mm-hmm. Miles. Yep. Giddy up. All right. Partner. Our favorite pitcher, Packy Naughton. Packy Naughton. He pitched 32 innings for yeah. the St. Louis Cardinals. Over under a 4.5 ERA. Ooh, okay. ERA, not FIP. Um, Packy had a good year. He got spanked a little bit. I'm going to go. I think Packy is under 4 5. He had a 4.78 ERA. Damn. Wow. Over 32 innings. It's a storied 32 innings with a 4.7 ERA. Yeah. It's like the most memorable season <laughs> with that kind of final line I can think of. Uh, if his name was like, Joe Thompson, we yeah. would not have known any of this. <laughs> it's only because he was Packy Dotton and we created this whole mythos around his name. Yeah. It's the only yeah, reason. I guess you're right. Yeah. Um, all right. Adam Wainwright. He pitched 192 innings. Wow. Over under 150 strikeouts. <sighs> I keep going under. This also feels like an under. Um, we complain about his strikeout percentage all year. Oh, that's a tough one. I but it's a lot of innings. I'm going to say he's under 150. That is correct. He had 143 strikeouts. Oh wow, good line, good line. Wow, wow. All right, moving over to the offensive side of the uh, of the team. Uh, Yadier Molina. Oh no. Over under a 550 OPS. <laughs> Damn it. OPS is on base yeah. uh, percentage plus slugging. God, he really only had like four games I can remember where he was hitting well uh, in between the Puerto Rican uh, basketball league game. Um, 550 is low. Yikes. I'm. I'm going to say he's over that. I got faith in Yachty. Yachty Ermelina had a 535 OPS <laughs> oh, in 2022. I, that, I mean, that's the smart money, but I was just really yeah. hoping he eclipsed that somehow. All right. Paul DeYoung. Wow. Over under a You're making this fun. <laughs> I was trying to look for ones that, you know, would be tricky. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Paul DeYoung. Over under a 535 OPS. God, it seems hard he, to be lower than that. Was he better or worse offensively than Yadier Molina in 2022? 
So he had very limited playing time, which helps him because I know he hit some big bombs when he came up. They basically ripped the bat right out of his hand, and those bombs will help your OPS quite a bit. Uh, but he was bad um, for a long time. I 535 is so low, though. Um, that's like half a yard on Alvarez. Um, I'm going <laughs> to say he went above that because it's just so low. Paul DeYoung had an OPS of 530 in wow. 2022. That line is just not fair. That was it's rough. I I I was so when doing this, I was like looking around at stats. And I was like, I felt like we would all know the like whatever I did for Arenado or Goldie, all these like really good ones. Like we were watching those stat lines all year. So I'm just trying to find ones that like we weren't necessarily looking at as much. Sure. So I've got two more for you. All right. Lars Newbar, uh, huge presence in 2022, big part of the team. Yeah. But how much was he really over under 300 plate appearances? Oh, see, that's exactly what I would have guessed. It's like right there. Um, Plate appearances. Wow. I think I think he's under that. That is correct. He had 290 plate appearances. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, yeah, that's like half a season. Yeah. That's that feels about All right. right. Yeah. And the last one. Um, we're doing the same thing. Albert Pujols. Oh, no. Huge part of the 2022 season. Over under 300 plate appearances. Oh, man. It has to be over that. I know his home run rate was crazy there. But he wasn't really starting much in the first half of the season. Um, I have to go over that. He has to be over 300. It is, but barely. This was a shock to me. 307 plate appearances. Man, he should come back again. Let, let it ride. Yeah. If you remember, he almost retired in June. Yeah. That we didn't wow. know that until after the season, but he he said he was about to he he considered leaving the team. Yeah. And you know, who knows what would have been and then, different. Then he became the second half MVP. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. One of the best players in baseball. It yeah. was only it was Aaron Judge and then Albert Pools. So crazy. I will yeah. never, I will never get over no. what he did last year. It was absolutely. It's one nuts. of the best Cardinal seasons of all time. Was yeah. uh, was last year, and a lot of it is because of pools. So, <sighs> wow. A lot of bummer numbers and what I just shared. I yeah, mean, Miles no kidding, Michael was over 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 two hundred innings was fun. Yeah. Uh, so um, it was more just looking for the numbers that you we we wouldn't have all been looking at over sure. and over and over. So, yeah. so really we'll play getting us excited for the next season. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> you know, trying to take a realistic, uh, wow. You know, Thank you for the, bringing wow. us all back down to earth. Yeah. Nate. That's really helpful. Well, we'll be back next week and uh, a little teaser for next week. We're going to do a segment on bold predictions for 2023. So wow. if you have some bold predictions and want to throw them in, let us know, email or tweet or how, you know, send us a letter, find in, let us know, uh, do a TikTok. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We totally get TikTok, so. Yeah, we're doing it. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be back next Thursday. Next Thursday is opening day. Let's go. So we will have an episode out on opening day that you can listen to while sitting in downtown traffic getting to the game. And uh, 
we cannot wait for this season to get started. Uh, we've got just about a week left of uh, games, so uh, we'll be watching those, see what final storylines develop. What will the final roster look like? We'll find out. And thank you again for everyone for listening. Check out the Patreon. And uh, I suppose that's it for this week. So until <laughs> next week, thanks, everyone. Go Cardinals. Zip, zap, zooey. Is that your new catchphrase? Yeah. <laughs> Tequila. <laughs>